Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 66. I'm your host, Chris Morales. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out. Welcome in. Good to have you. Thanks for hanging out. We are officially past the all-star breaks. We are at the, I wouldn't say the tail end. We're like two-thirds of the way done. So a lot of things are going to be happening here. There are some teams who are still trying to push for a playoff spot. Some teams are going to be locked in there. Other teams are already thinking about next year, as they should. Uh, but we got a jam-packed episode today. There's lots of things that happened since the last time we were here. Uh, we're going to go do the good and bad of the ugly. And then we're going to take a look at some trades that happened over the All-Star break. That's right. Things happen. Players moving. Changing addresses. I'm excited for this. If you have stumbled on here by accident, hey, welcome in. Thank you for being here. My name is Chris from Reds. Like I said, you can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at FuzzyChris91. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. You can get it as well. Uh, if you're listening to this on the YouTube, thank you. YouTube.com slash at Slapshot Pod. You can get the podcast on Spotify, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it. If you head to uh, Slapshot Podcast on Twitter, click the link tree. You can see where the podcast is. All right. We got that out of the way. Let's do. Let's start with the good, the bad, and the ugly, because there was some good. There's definitely some bad, and of course, uh, there's ugly. Let's start with the good, though. Let's start. You know, we want to start the day off right. We're good to the Edmonton Oilers. Now, the Edmonton Oilers before losing last last night, depending on whatever you listen to this, uh, to Vegas, they had won sixteen in a row. Sixteen. Man, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when they were just not a very good team. Remember when they started the year, they were garbage, and now they seem to be fine. Here's the thing I like. Obviously, the coaching changes probably helped, but the Oilers were doing all this winning, and it wasn't like they were blowing out their opponents. They weren't winning like 6-4 or like 6-3 or stuff like that. No, they're going out here. They were scoring, you know, four goals a game usually and allowing like two or less. So. This is a team, despite having two of the best players in the world, understood that playing team defense is more important to the success long-term. Now, they have still dug themselves a nice little hole here. They, they, they sit third in the Pacific still. Here's the thing, though. I think they got a ton of games in hand as well. So, like, they got a lot of hockey to play. Stuart Skinner has been amazing, by the way. Like, round of applause to Stuart Skinner. And all the work that he has put in. Because it did not start off well for him. He has been a rock for that team. Good goaltending will help you. So good for him. Good for the Oilers. Everybody's leading there. Even yesterday, they lost what? It was like 3-1 to Vegas. It's not bad. They just didn't score any goals. And it's fine. Their their winning streak was going to come to an end at some point. It did there. But good on the Oilers for just turning it around. And just watching this team dominate. I fully believe now that they can secure a playoff spot because that hole that they were in was pretty deep, uh, but they have just clawed back there. They went on an amazing run. Good for the Edmonton Oilers. Good for their fan base as well. Good for Stuart Skinner. That's who I want. Next one here, the NHL players. Guess where they're going? That's right. They're going back to the Olympics. Yes, Gary Bettman has said that the NHL players will go to 2026 and 2030 Winter Olympics. 2026 is in Italy, I think. Maybe it's possible. Uh, I can't believe it has been 10 years, 10 years 
today. Ten years since the NHL players were at the last uh, Olympics. The Gary Gary Bettman has robbed us of watching the best players in the world go to the Olympics. I don't. I mean, I don't think Nathan McKinnon has ever gone to the Olympics. Connor McDavid certainly most haven't. We have. We have been robbed of this. Right, I I have said this before. Like, good on Gary for for allowing this to happen. He's held it hostage and everything. Uh, I've said this before because Gary's been at the news a lot. We'll we'll get to a lot of reasons why he is. Uh, but Gary hates Canada. That's my thing, right? Gary hates Canada. He hates everything that Canada stands for. He probably hates the loony, hates the toonie, he hates geese, he hates moose, he hates poutine. Everything about Canada. He, he hates. That's my opinion on Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman hates Canada. I would get a t-shirt. The t-shirt would say Gary hates Canada. I'd probably spell it make a lot of money off it. But Gary hates Canada. This all stems from, you know, Salt Lake City announcing that they want, like, a team and stuff like that. And Gary's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, hey, there's an arena in Quebec City. I'm just salty now. I'm just salty, Gary. That's it. So, like, I, I, I don't enjoy Gary Bettman. Anyways, we're on a tangent here. So, the NHL players are going to the Olympics. It is about Time. I want to see the best on best. I want to see the greatest players play. I'm done with everything else. The, the world championships are nice. Nobody cares. Nobody goes. It's not like the Olympics. I want to see NHL players, the best players in the world, play on the biggest stage. That's what I want. So, about time to have. That's the good. That's the good. Let's stick with the bad here while we're talking about Gary. And it is, it is the all-star game. The All-Star Game, I watched a little of it. It is what it is. Honestly, the best part of the All-Star Game, all the celebrity coaches, right? That's my favorite part, right? Shout out to Tate McRae, by the way. Oh, what's up, Tate? Um, She was great. All of them were good, too. Justin Bieber, Arnett. uh, Michael Buble confirmed how much everybody hates the All-Star Game because you have to do drugs in order to want to do it. That was... Like, if you did watch Michael Buble's interview, uh, you should probably watch it. For, like, the draft that they did, you should probably watch it. Anyways, he did he did some drugs. Uh, he was having a good time. So that's how you go to the... You have to do drugs in order to enjoy it. Nobody likes the All-Star game. Nobody wants it. Players don't want to go. Okay? They don't want to go. Like, first of all, here's another sideway here. Uh, shame on you, Frank Saravalli, for criticizing... Sidney Crosby for not going to the stupid draft thing. He showed up for the rest of All-Star Weekend. We are not criticizing Sid for anything. First of all, Sid on that day, he was out. The most Sidney Crosby thing ever. He was on an outdoor rink in Montana. I mean, shit, okay. Cool. Sid can do whatever he wants. Sid could run for Prime Minister of Canada. There'd be, there wouldn't be an election. He would win. He could run for Governor of Pennsylvania. He would win. Sid has been in the league 18 years now. He can do whatever he wants. That's it. He doesn't want to be there full-time. Right? You know who else didn't want to be there full-time? Nikita Kucherov. Nikita Kucherov embodies what most of us don't say out loud. But if if we do something that other people ask us, but we do it so poorly, we're hoping they'll never ask us to do it again. Right? Your wife's like, hey, honey, can you empty the dishwasher? And you do such, such an absolute bare minimum, terrible job. You're like, maybe she won't ask me to do it again. 
And that's a plausible reason because Nikita Kucherov, the skills competition, did not care. He is the he was basically the hockey version of Marshawn Lynch, where he's saying, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Right? Because if you don't go to the All-Star game, the NHL suspends you for a game. So he's like, hey, I'll go and I just won't care. He, like Nikita Kucherov, one of the top players in the NHL, didn't want to be there. Oliver Bjorkstrand had to cancel his his Airbnb in a short trip to like I think he was going to San Diego because he had to go to the All-Star game. Nobody wants to go to the All-Star game. Players want to go on vacation. They want to have a good time. They want to do everything but. So I'm happy that the Olympics are coming back because it means that we don't have to do the All-Star game. Now, the NHL has also said that they may do, like, I don't know, some four, I don't know, some tournament with four teams. Canada, uh, the United States, Sweden, and Finland. Yeah, big F you to all the other players in the other countries, right? We just leave them at home. Anyways. It doesn't matter anything but the All-Star game. I don't care for it. I'm done hearing about how competitive it could be. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody. They want to go on vacation. They want to do something meaningful. Like, yes, Connor McDavid secured a million dollars because he won the skills competition. It was shocked. Shocked to the whole world that Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, was really good at all the skills that make him the best. Wonderful. Uh, But the All-Star game can definitely end Nikita Kucherov. I, 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 I get it, but man, like you got to at least pretend a little bit more. A little bit. Next, uh, the LA Kings decided to give Todd McClellan his papers and lock the door. Uh, he was fired as the head coach of the LA Kings, replaced by Jim Hiller. And then they also brought in DJ Smith, because watching DJ Smith coach the Ottawa Senators, the LA Kings thought this would be a good idea. Bringing this man over will certainly fix everything. Now, the Kings sit fourth in the Pacific Division here. Now, if you remember, the LA Kings got off to a blazing hot start. This was a team that did not lose on the road. They struggled a little bit at home, which is fine. But then they went on the road and they just didn't lose. Now it seems like they can't win. They can't buy a win no matter what. Cam Talbot now looks like Cam Talbot, right? Like at the beginning, he looked like Marty Brodeur. Now he looks like Cam Talbot. And there's just there's a lot of things here. Rob Blake was obviously feeling a little bit of heat. And he has said it. He has openly said it that he takes full responsibility for this. And as he should, because he's probably the next on the list to get canned if it doesn't go well. Because if you're the LA Kings, you are you are technically in a win now mode with the moves that you've made. Right? Like you went out to get Kevin Fiala. You don't do that if you don't think, you know, if, if you're a rebuilding team. You think you can push, and that's what they did. The same reason why they went out and they got, you know, Cam Talbot. They thought that they could compete. And then they went out and got Pierre-Luc Dubois, regardless of how that, you know, that relationship has started, and his production. You go out and you make these moves with the expectation that you're going to compete and that you're going to try to win. And that is not happening. So the LA Kings cannot afford to miss the playoffs. Not in the dramatic fashion that has happened. I do think it was quite the choice to fire him this at this point. I mean, you could have given him an opportunity, I guess, to right the shit. But if you really didn't think he was going to do well. Like I said, th- I, I don't think this was a panic move by Rob Blake. I think this is Rob Blake trying to save his job and noticing that the earlier that he does it, the better of a chance that he has. We'll see how the we'll see how the LA Kings do here, but yeah, not good choice. A lot of things happening before, over the All-Star break. Just, you know, they're like, hey, pack your stuff, leave. Other players got traded and stuff. We'll get to it. 
Uh, we'll finish here with the ugly. I mean, we're not going to spend too much time on this because it's ugly. Uh, but it's the five players of the 2018 Sincano World Juniors team that have been officially charged with sexual assault. Uh, if you have no idea what's going on, you clearly live under a rock. I would suggest out up from under that rock. Uh, the London police have finally charged it. The players have all surrendered willingly. I didn't think they would, you know, fight for it. Uh, the, the London Police Department did hold a press conference on Monday, February something. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember what day it is. Uh, I watched it. It was the definition of a meeting that could have been an email because nothing was really answered, which I didn't expect it to be because this is an ongoing investigation. I can't imagine police giving out any type of details, right? It, it, it could have just been an email. You could have just sent the press release and it would have done anything. Because nobody answered the chief didn't say much. We just you know, he just apologized to the victim a little bit for it taking so long. It's been six years and we finally got charges that are dropped. A, like I said, this was all allegedly. Nobody's gonna comment on anything, nobody's gonna say anything because it's an ongoing investigation. Oh, we'll let the judicial system do its job, which is an ease which is a great PR statement to say when you don't want to say anything. So A, it's disgusting. If these allegations are true, B. Here's what I've learned over time: if when the, where there is smoke, there is fire. Okay, so not saying any of those players have done anything wrong because they're all innocent until proven guilty. But where there is smoke, there is fire, and that is not good. Obviously, this looks poor for the NHL. We know this. Even if some people say, "Well, they did that before they before they were NHL players," doesn't matter. Uh, the part that I want to know more about is like who knew about what and didn't say anything. Because this all came true, by the way, like to light when Rick Westhead got a hold of it. And one thing I've learned is when Rick Westhead gets a hold of something, like it's over for you. You're done. Don't let Rick Westhead report on a story because like you're cooked. He's going to cook you in the open. So I'm interested to see who knew what at what time and who failed to do things at what time. Right? Because this this victim is now like she reported it six years ago and it's taken the London Police Department six years to do something. So why did it take that long? This is the tip of the iceberg. Right? This is the tip. I feel like there's a lot more. And a lot of this is gonna come out through the court system. Who knows when this starts, right? Because the legal process in Ontario can take forever. Um I really don't think these players are going to be back in the NHL before their trial. I, I can't see it. I, I can't see it being a thing. I really can't. Uh, and obviously they should not be back in the NHL if they are proven guilty. So it's it's unfortunate. This will not be the last time we, we like hear of a story like this. This is This is one of many others that will come. It's unfortunate. It should never happen, but that's just the way the culture of hockey is built right now, and it obviously needs to change. So, not gonna not gonna give any opinions. I'm just gonna let everything play itself out. But like I said, where there is smoke, there is fire. It's usually not a good sign, and I'm more interested to know on you know there those are the five people you know the five men being accused of it, but there are others that are surrounding that. There are others who knew things. And that's going to come to light. And then we're going to have some real conversation. 
because those men did wrong if they're convicted of what they did. They did wrong. But everybody who didn't say anything, who knew and tried to cover it, those people also are in the wrong and we're probably going to get them in the wrong. So, shame on you. That is the ugly. There we go. We got through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's get to what we have to talk about here. Two trades. Two. I think, yeah. Two. Uh, over the All-Star break. Let's start with the Flames acquiring Andre Kuzmenko at a first-round pick for Elias Lindholm. Uh, really good of the Calgary Flames. No, sorry. Of the Vancouver Canucks. To A, they didn't wait until the end. They've decided to address a need, and they have done that. I think the addition of Elias Lindholm is great. There were other players who went in here as well. There's a... That they got as well. Like Calgary got a fourth round pick, New Jersey's fourth round pick. It's conditional. It becomes a third if like Vancouver makes it to the conference final, or I don't know what's going on. Here's the here, here's the ports that you need. The moving of Andre Kuzmenko, I think, makes sense. He can score goals, but he seems to have lost his way a little bit in Vancouver. So maybe a change of scenery will work out well. Calgary is a shell of a team that they used to be. They are just liquidating everything. This is a team that, I mean, they're sellers. Like, to think back, this was a team that once had uh, Elias Lindholm. Johnny Gaudreau was on that team. Uh, Matthew uh, Matthew Kachuk was there as well. This was such a dominant offensive team. And now there's, like, Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau. Like, I feel bad for, I feel bad for Calgary fans a little bit, but also I don't. So. Vancouver adding Elias Lindholm is a good thing. A, it gives them an option down the middle again, because Elias Lindholm can play center. But you could also play him at other other positions. You can play him on the wing. If you played him at center, right, you would have a lot you you would have in any order that you want. Elias Patterson, right? Uh Elias Lindholm and JT Miller. All three could be down the middle. Now you're not gonna play all three down the middle. You'll probably move either Lindholm. Patterson or Miller to the wing and give you a top six that can really bust you. The Vancouver Canucks are in right now. Like, they are definitely in. They sit atop of the Pacific Division as of today. Today's Thursday. Uh, they're seven points clear of the Golden Knights. So, like, they're pretty good here, right? They're definitely a team that can compete. They're 8-0-2 in their last 10. This is a wagon of a hockey team. They're not slowing and they've gone out and they've made, you know, a sizable addition. They also went to get Nikita Zadorov. So this is a team that's done what they need to do. I don't know if they could do anything more approaching the deadline here. But they did what they needed to do. In Calgary, it's simple here that they had to take back some money, I guess, to make this work. Taking Kuzmenko, you know, there's... There's an option for him here. In There's space for him in Calgary to do what he needs to do. He's not a kid, by the way. He's 28, right? He just he just played in Russia. So he he has one year left after on his deal. The Flames need bodies. They need people to exist. So do I think Kuzmenko could go back and be a, a, a good player? Sure. I don't, I mean, he scored 39 last year. He had 74 points. I don't think that was an accident. I really don't. So, to me, I feel like this, Calgary's only thing is they say, okay, well, we'll take a player here and we'll 
see what happens. I don't think any of the signing rights, any of the prospects really matter. I think the first round pick was obviously good. I mean, if the Canucks win the Stanley Cup, then that pick is basically irrelevant because now it's the end of the back first round pick. But the Flames go out, they move a player, they collect what they need. It's 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 a win win for everybody here. Everybody gets, you know, Lindholm goes, goes somewhere else. He can move to a more dynamic offense, which I think can help him as well. Like, Lindholm is off to kind of one of those, how many points do you have here? Like, like he's off to that kind of, I wouldn't say it's a slow, like, he hasn't been a slow pace to his game, but, I mean, 32 points in 49 games, nine goals, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he scored two in his season debut with Vancouver, because all players do when they change scenery, so. This can this can help a lot of times if if you haven't been fantasy hockey as well like I do if you've stuck it out till now like now you're getting rewarded because you're going to join a high flying offense and that could only help you so I think that trade was was fair on both ends works out well good for everybody involved new change of scenery for both players go out have fun next most important one here most important one is the Montreal Canadiens acquiring a first round pick. For Sean Monahan. That's right. Sean Monahan is off to Winnipeg. Winnipeg, uh, they have currently, as of today, they have lost four in a row. They're struggling to score goals. They figure, you know, Paul Stifley's back in the lineup. Bringing Sean Monahan is a good second, third line centerman is obviously a good thing. It's a good depth add here for the Winnipeg Jets. A, a lot of things worked out well here. One, Sean Monahan was healthy. And when he's healthy, he is productive. He's not the player he once was, but he could be very serviceable. He can win faceoffs. He can, you know, he's part of Montreal's power play, penalty kill. He's got a team friendly deal. He's under $2 million. So that probably helped as well. A lot of people, a lot of people like, oh, no, Montreal's not getting a first round pick for Sean Monaghan. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Are you new here? What do you mean? A general manager overpaying for something close to the trade deadline? Yeah. That's how this works, man. You're buying flowers on Valentine's Day. They're a lot more expensive than if you buy them in June. It's normal. Of course, Kent Hughes was going to get a first-round pick. And some of you may have forgotten, Kent Hughes got a first-round pick from Calgary to take Sean Monaghan once upon a time. They did. They got a first-round pick to take him. And now Kent Hughes traded him for a first-round pick. We got two first-round picks for Sean Monaghan. Hey, man, Kent Hughes was just, he was just cooking. That man was cooking with a little salt and everything. That man was cooking. Good for Kent. Now, obviously, if the Winnipeg Jets, like, win the Stanley Cup, well, then that pick, again, goes to the back of the end, and it makes no difference. But Montreal has now acquired some picks. They also got a 2027 third-round pick. It's conditional. They received that pick if the Winnipeg Jets win the Stanley Cup. And you're like, like, how did GMs, like, negotiate this? They'll be like, hey, I want an extra pick. They're like, okay, but only if we do well. You're like, all right, I'll take it. Like, the probability odds there are... Anyways, it is what it is. But, like, Montreal continues to collect draft picks. Here. Let's head over to... Cap Friendly is going to tell me everything I need. So, they there's... Montreal has a lot. They have what? Let me, uh, let me count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They have 11 picks this year. This year, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I, I miscounted. They have 12. Oh, wait. Actually, wait, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
Right. They have 12 picks. Okay. I can count. Whew. They have 12 picks this year. In the next three years, they have five first-round picks. Now, I understand that the Montreal Canadiens are a rebuilding team. At some point, the rebuild has to has to turn. Okay. Montreal has a lot of picks and a lot of prospects. At some point, you could start moving picks for players. Guys who make your team better today. Right? Montreal Canadiens, I still think, are close to a lottery team. But you got to decide what you're doing with some of these guys. Right? Like you got to decide what you're doing with the Christian Dvorak. You got to decide what you're doing with the Brendan Gallagher's. If you got to start moving some players to free up money and it takes a pick to go the other way, you can start doing it. You know what I mean? You can start making it happen. Because the Montreal Canadiens have most of what they need in place. They still need to figure out. They, they're carrying three goalies. they got to figure out what to do with their. Most of their defense nucleus is intact for next year as well. Uh, most of their offense as well. There's not, there's not much money coming off the books this right into, 20, into next year. So there's, there's good things here. And I think it's important that the Montreal Canadiens start. Like, I, I want to see the turn. I want to see the hump. I want to see the point where you get to the apex. You say, okay, now we're on the other side. Now we're going to be competitive. Now we're going to be better. I get this is a rebuild. You can't rebuild for five years. Well, you, I mean, you could. But what I mean is, like, you can't be dog shit for five years and then say, okay, now we're taking the turn because some of these guys are going to age out. You know what I mean? But... I was one of those people who obviously understood the argument to saying to keep Sean Monaghan. Like, if you weren't going to get much, keep him around. And then maybe sign him to another one-year deal if he wants to be around, and then maybe you flip him next year. The fact that you could get a first-round pick for him, I think, was the minimum, and somebody paid for it. Somebody paid for it today, which is good. So good on Kent Hughes for getting that. It's sad to obviously see him go. Lots of players enjoyed him in Montreal. I think he did very well in Montreal. Like, he was hurt his first year, missed most of the year. He was good. He was hot before the deadline as well. I think that played into it as well. I think Winnipeg watching other teams make moves means that you got to make moves as well. They add a player, solidifies, you know, their center core a little bit. There's there's a lot of good things here. And, I again, I don't know if Montreal's going to make all of these picks. I, I mean, man, it's good to have first-round picks but you got to start doing something with them or like you, you have a lot of, you have a lot of players who are looking for space and that's a good problem to have, right? It's a good problem because you can let some of these players who need to develop, they can go back and play college hockey and they can go and, you know, play in their junior leagues. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about guys like Owen Beck, you know, I'm talking about guys like Philip Mesar. they're, you know, these guys get to go back and do what they need to do and, 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 and I'm perfectly fine with that. Let these guys grow into it. Because you need everybody to come up and be ready at once so you can dominate. Because your window to win is going to be small once some of these guys have to start commanding a serious amount of money. Right? So, I have no problem with moving Sean Monaghan. If you're going to get a first-round pick, you take it. If somebody was going to be like, I'll give you like a second or something, or like a conditional second, I would have been like, I'll keep him. I'll hold. I'll hold. Are the Montreal Canadiens done, though? Like, I think the only player they could really move is maybe Tanner Pearson, and I don't know how much you're going to get for him. Like, I don't... Like, at that point, you could just play him out. Unless 
you trade Tanner Pearson, you wait till like college hockey finishes and stuff like that. And players, if they want to turn pro, then you can give them a couple of games here and there. Uh, or the same thing, like I said, you can get Owen back a spot if you want. But it's 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 like it doesn't bother me, but like there's like what else are you gonna trade for this team? You can't move certain players, you can't move Brendan Gallagher, uh, you can't move Josh Anderson, right? You could maybe find a buyer for your Armia, but it doesn't really matter. Like Jake Evans is just I don't know what he is anymore. Uh and then the rest of that lineup, like what are you like Michael Pizzetta is not worth anything. Lucas Condona, like Jesse Gillenin, like I, I don't think they're moving any of those guys. All the blue line, like what like what are you gonna do? There's a lot of young players on the blue line. I don't think they're in the business. There is some talk about maybe David Savard. And again, like if I'm moving David Savard, I'm, I'm collecting a first round pick. David Savard is the type of defenseman. He hits all the keywords that coaches love. Grit, sandpaper, block shot, good teammate, all those kind of things. But at some point, you need a veteran presence on the blue line. You need somebody to be there to help these kids grow. So. You can keep him. I think maybe, I mean, you even if you did move him, I think you would need a, a prospect and a pick. And I know some of you are going to say, Chris, you're asking for the move. Hey, my house. I can ask for what I want. Right? Ken can ask for whatever he wants. A reason for that is David Savard still has one more year on his contract. So he's not a pure rental. He could be a player that you can keep for one more year. And some of those teams would use players like that. Like, everybody loves a player that blocks shots and wins. We talk about teams that are good defensively having success and the type of players that they have. Like, David Savard is in that category. He could make a team better. He's won a Stanley Cup. He can do what he needs to do. The question is, is how many people are willing to pay that price for a 33-year-old defenseman who doesn't really give you any offensive upside. But he's good at blocking shots and he... Plays a penalty kill and all those all those kind of fun things. The only reason you maybe trade him, you could then that frees up a spot on the blue line. You know, that frees up a spot for maybe, you know, somebody else in Laval. I'm thinking of Logan Mayu, right? Maybe you give him a little tryout. Maybe Justin Barron comes back, right? There's there's a whole bunch of things that, or a whole bunch of scenarios that would make sense in where that could work. So. We'll see there. But the, it's great trade by Ken Hughes. I love it. I, I think the, the, the Vancouver-Calgary trade was really good on both ends. I think this was a great move by Ken Hughes. It was very you know, strategic, very in place. It's tough to see Sean Monaghan go, of course, but I understand why you got to do it. Uh, and that's just the way that it goes. But yes, good luck, Sean Monaghan. Man. It, it was tough watching him in a Jets jersey. He's the guy that I like. Good player. I enjoyed Sean. I hope, you know, taste that cup, homie. Uh, that is it. That is the core of the podcast today. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate you guys being here. Thank you for all the love as well on YouTube. If you're not following, subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you do so. YouTube.com slash at Pod. Hit the sub button, ring the bell. I appreciate you very much. If you are listening to this, hit the follow, hit the subscribe, hit the whatever button on whatever platform you enjoy. If you're not following me on Twitter, make sure you do so, at FuzzyChris91. If you're not following the podcast as well, at Podcast. go ahead, follow the 
do all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate all of you being here. I love you. We'll talk to each other again soon, all right? Stay safe.